true, what is right. Supatipano, Ujupatipano, Yaya Patipano, Samiji Patipano, those who are actually putting it into practice. Living, in other words, living daily life in a more mindful way. In uh, virtuousness, in, in taking the eight precepts, is like uh, making, is relinquishing the, the freedom to just follow impulse and, and feelings of the moment with action and speech. Then we live in a time where there there isn't much demand made on us to live a restrained life or even be responsible for how we live, uh, our physical actions or speech. It's a time where, in a country like this, we have encouragement to kind of indulge in drink and sex and excitement and drugs and food and, and all the rest, a lot of uh, exciting things that, that uh, one can do. And to indulge, to be free to, to just find uh, happiness and excitement, fulfillment through uh, sensual uh, sensuality. Or taking responsibility for speech. Because speech, I think, was most difficult for some of us so easy to to say things that that are unskillful or just use speech as it becomes it becomes such a habit and you know, just to blurt things out or say things uh, according to um, the the feeling of the moment the the mood or the impulse that we happen to be experiencing in the present we blurt something out. But now in uh, the eight precepts, like, uh, it's now learning to take responsibility for our ability to speak, trying to use it in, and uh, in for what is skillful, what is good. So like action and speech are, are very karmic uh, Things when we do something and say something, then the, the karma is very strong. So this is why when we uh, when we when we aren't taking responsibility for action and speech, we're just following impulses and feelings of the moment. Then we we do we make heavy karmic uh, problems in our lives. Or if we speak, we just follow speaking on impulse and emotion of the present, and. We, uh, we make heavy karma with that. We can harm, we can insult, we can uh, say all kinds of things that are uh, you know, of no value or, or actually harmful to oneself and to others. So then the, the eight precepts is a, a celibate form. So this uh, means that uh, sexuality is no longer something that we're relinquishing, this, this, uh, uh, this instinctual function of our bodies for procreation 
and that many people now just use for pleasure, just to seek pleasure through the body, pleasure and excitement through uh, uh, erotic uh, uh, activities. And of course, his celibacy is giving up that right, that the pleasure of that. And it's a time where uh, sexuality is pretty much uh, encouraged in all its forms. Uh, no holds barred. I mean, uh, so that it's it's not like, say, hundred years ago, where there was a kind of, uh, prudery and kind of sense of limitation placed on sexual behavior. Now there isn't any uh, limitation. So we live in an age where, say, restraint and uh, <coughs> taking responsibility are not part of our, are not demanded of us uh, in in our cultural, in our societies. Here in in a country like uh, the UK and the United Kingdom, we can we can live just right along in a system, just live off the dole and just. Uh, get by uh, in a fairly easy way without taking responsibility for anything we do. Just see how much we can get out of the government. Uh, so that the modern societies like this provide a tremendous kind of net of, <coughs> of, uh, of opportunities for us that we can uh, take advantage of, which, oh, which tend to make us... Uh, Oftentimes, very um, dependent and very complaining, because we, no matter how much we get, the mind will always think we should get more than that. Contentment, gratitude are not qualities that, not virtues that are highly developed at this time. This time is to be discontented, to make endless demands on the system, and get more. Then you can get more and more. Better and better. So, in this uh, monastic life, uh, we, the 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 form that we're using, the, the refuges and the precepts, are not just to to um, restrain ourselves as an end in itself, uh, but to use this form as a uh, standard for uh, mindfulness, be able to reflect on on our habits, on our impulses, on the things that we experience in daily life uh, here in the monastery or wherever we are. Uh, then, whatever that, we still have these habits, worldly habits, inclinations, instinctual drives, and so forth. These are uh, not going to stop operating or going, are not going to pack up just because you've taken the eight precepts. But the eight precepts are there for, as a, as a kind of guide, as a standard to reflect from. So with mindfulness, you know, you think mindfulness that we're now, you say you're now uh, an agaricus, eight precepts uh, is what you Determined for the next year, so so that determination means that you uh, 
use that in regards to uh, the respect for life, the property of others, uh, the uh, erotic tendencies, the, the speech, the refraining from addictive drunk, uh, drugs and, and drink, uh, in regards to food, in regards to uh, all kinds of games and entertainment, in regards to sleep. So that we're not just trying to discipline ourselves as some kind of, you know, make ourselves do these things or live in a more restrained way just as a willful act. Uh, or we're not trying to punish ourselves. It's not, it's not asceticism we're trying to achieve. And it's about uh, developing mindfulness in order to, uh, and mindfulness and wisdom in regards to what we experience here at the monastery. So the monastic life is set up in a way that that is for meditation, for mindfulness. <coughs> the whole the whole point of being a uh, um, an anagarika is to uh, develop this sati and panya. We have a Dhamma Vinya, so that this is the, the Dhamma is the, the teaching of the Lord Buddha, the the whole the way of uh, the, the practices, the the um, development of a, of awareness, of concentration. Um, it's the the sila, the 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 restraint. Uh, and taking responsibility for action and speech is the developing of wisdom in regards to using wisdom in our lives here uh, in the monastery to to uh, recognize that wisdom is something that you don't acquire, something you start using. Mm, the, the wisdom of panya, this word panya in Pali means that it's not that we don't that anyone lacks it, it's just oftentimes we never we don't use it, and so the encouragement is to 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 use wisdom in this life in regards to the precepts, in regards to the refuges, in regards to the community. Living in a community also is like it's very uh, to give up your rights to just live according to your own habits and and wishes to conform to a community like this one. The, that also is uh, quite a sacrifice because we are we are brought up in in these societies where we we kind of like this idea of being able to be free and do what we want and express ourselves and 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 not conform to be a non-conformist and to uh, do what we want when we feel like it and, and the way we want and dress the way we want and wear what we want and so forth, this idea of being free to, to and not be burdened with uh, uh, all the what other people think or having to to even 
consider anyone else's feelings in regards to what we're doing. So in uh, monastic life, in that we're we're uh, we've now put ourselves in a situation where we uh, are now concerned. Our relationships with each other are important. Do you want to come in or what? In, uh, when many of us come from a very kind of egalitarian uh, background. I, I remember uh, training in Thailand uh, in, uh, in a society that ha- has more kind of hierarchical uh, social structures and uh, that um, people are, are acculturated to in Thailand, more sense of, of relationship of who who how do you relate to this person or that person whether you're senior junior older younger uh, your position your class uh, in regards to other members of the society in your family or in uh, or other people and uh, so in in a country like Thailand it's all very uh, a part of a whole cultural uh, attitude that you get from the time you're born. It's kind of ingrained in the cultural conditioning. This sense of, of uh, responsibility and relationship is very important. <coughs> Duties that you have towards each other. And then uh, coming from the, uh, an American uh, cultural conditioning, very different than that. The, the, uh, it's the idea of being free, uh, emphasizing individual rights and, and equality and egalitarianism. So like an American side of me was very much uh, based on the ideals of freedom and equality and rights. I have rights. I demand my rights. And, and the, the idea of responsibilities and duties never really were the all that emphasized in my cultural background. And I remember in, being a student in Berkeley, University of California back in the early 60s, there was endlessly demanding rights. The student protests in 1962 were demanding the rights 
to use four-letter curse words in public speeches. Actually, protests in uh, in Berkeley. I remember on Telegraph Avenue. You know, really serious business too. Four-letter, nasty four-letter words that were not, not until then not, you're not supposed to use in public. But it's our right. We can use them if we want. And this uh, sense of my rights is very. Uh, you know, as as it increased, everybody wants demands their rights, and not to. I'm not complaining about that, but it's a different way of thinking. It's a different cultural attitude that we we find ourselves with, and say uh, say the Asian one, which is much more, uh, or the old classical style of hierarchical or social structures, class structures. So it was uh, learning to live in, in the forest monastery in Thailand. It would bring up uh, a lot of, of my uh, feelings because I asked to live there. I took dependence on Lung Po Chan and I had the uh, Vinaya training to learn, but uh, also, I mean, even though I, on the rational side, my intellect was quite willing to do that, you know, I could appreciate that as an idea, as an experience with something else. Because uh, oftentimes I felt, um, you know, very rebellious or resistant or resentful or critical or uh, stubborn or uh, arrogant to bring up all kinds of arrogant, um, you know, kind of American uh, I know better how to do these things than you do or it would be conceit and I was much better educated than the monks that I lived with they were just farm boys from the northeast time <laughs> and I had quite a good education I had conceit and uh, uh, a lot of this, uh, you know, feeling of, uh, of um, judgment, making critical judgments about the way they did things, or about their relationships, according to the way I saw my cultural conditioning, more American attitudes, American ideas, as they would arise in my consciousness within the daily life of of the Thai monastery. But then that was uh, one of the things that with Ajahn Chah was his effective way of teaching was getting us to look at ourselves to really uh, turn rather than endlessly try to to you know protest or demand or complain about things uh, in the monastery to begin to look at that very feeling of that complaining mind, that judging critical mind, that that arrogant, that arrogance or conceit that was, was operating, that had arisen in my consciousness, to begin to observe that as a condition rather than as a cause to follow and believe in. 
because, uh, as Lung Po Chow used to emphasize, uh, you know, it's a, it's a moral society, you know, whatever. Maybe you don't always want to or like or agree with, with everything, but at least it's based on moral precepts, on harmlessness, on, on generosity, on uh, morality, on being responsible for yourself. And so, and it, you know, it's, it, in, it's a very good situation. We have alms mendicant. Your, your people are, are uh, offering alms, uh, food, for requisites, and, and that in order to uh, encourage us to develop our spiritual life. So in the, these kind of reflections, you keep, you keep reminding yourself what you're here for, you know, in, the, in regards to the, the food or the shelter, the, the robes we wear, the medical uh, things that are available for us. We're now looking at in terms of, of requisites that we're, we're not demanding the highest standard or we're not trying to compete or, or uh, uh, try to get the best, but learn how to be grateful and uh, content with what is offered, what is available. But this isn't meant to intimidate or to just, uh, you know, make us feel guilty because we might not be content or we're not grateful, but to be able to look at what we are feeling. Because we're not trying to, we're not trying to make ourselves into a kind of samana or saint or just, you know, try to live according up to, uh, according to high ideas or ideals that we might have for monastic life. But we're using the ideals of monasticism and the, and the uh, restraint of monasticism for mindfulness and wisdom. Because in order to resolve our karmic tendencies and our habits, we need to accept, we need to be able to allow our feelings, our emotions, our habits into a consciousness and not not uh, just uh, identify with them or make judgments about them, but to recognize them. They're like this, that, that what arises ceases, that the emotions we're feeling, the arrogance, that we, the thing that I, I know better than you, how to run this place, that kind of feeling. What that is like is as, as energy, as something that's present and which ceases. It is, uh, it, you know, it feels like this, accepting it and letting it be what it is, it, it naturally ceases. So this way, this is the way to resolve, to let go uh, uh, of these uh, strong karmic tendencies that we have. The self-view, the, the, uh, the, the habitual emotions that, that we uh, have in life are then no, no longer judged according to the ideals of what uh, a good monk or nun should be like or should be thinking or should be feeling, but recognizing even the, the meanest, the most uh, selfish, unkind, cruel thought 
or feeling, uh, no matter how nasty it might be, is a condition that if it has arisen, then we, we know it's present, and then we also can know when it ceases, the cessation. And then in regards to action and speech, then the, then the, we, we act, we do the good, and we refrain from doing the bad. So in our relationship as a community, you know, in, in relationships with other vinayas based on doing good, refrain from doing bad. It's a, it's a system that is learning to be sensitive and considerate, mindful, uh, thoughtful, caring about uh, uh, the people that we're living with, the society that we're in. There's not just a bunch of rules that you've got to memorize and follow blindly in order to be considered a good monk or a good nun. And then that just makes it personal again, doesn't it? To, to judge ourselves whether we're good enough according to the rules. And I'm always uh, feeling never quite good enough when you think about, you know, whether you're keeping the rules all that well. But if you're using the restraint and the, and to, for mindfulness and for seeing how the, you know, beginning to, to recognize the self-view as something that arises and ceases, not something that is, is what you permanently have in your mind, but the sense of me and mine, the self, uh, is something that arises and ceases in the present. In a community also, I hear I'm about to have chosen certain people to, to take on responsibilities for training, like Ajahn Viridhamma, I've asked him, uh, I, requesting that he be the abbot of the monastery. So, and he, he doesn't really want to be the abbot. <laughs> it's not like uh, he's just, you know, overjoyed to be in this position, but he's willing to do it. And so this, uh, and he does it very well, actually. Uh, the training of the Anagarikas, the Anagarikas put a lot of effort, a lot of care into doing it in a, a very impeccable way, the way it was done this evening. It was very, very well done. Because uh, he, this is, he feels this is an important thing to, to uh, you know, it's an event in our lives that needs to be given some kind of emphasis. It's not just perfunctory reciting eight precepts uh, and and just uh, kind of sliding into the system, but it, it's actually uh, given a, a lot of importance. Because things like that do affect us. If we, how we, how we do things, if we do things half-hearted and in a, in just kind of uh, kind of mechanical way, just getting by, just having to put up with the the, the little rites and rituals of this funny tradition uh, and, and all that, then we get that kind of a result from our monastic life. We never quite, the impact of it, never quite uh, 
uh, reaches us. There is low, low-level impact on our consciousness. When you give a kind of sanctity to something, give it an importance, make it something that is, is uh, witnessed and admired and recognized then by many people, then it, it has a power that, that helps in this life. helps us, because we do get discouraged, and we do want to leave, and we do get fed up, and we do, uh, you know, get uh, weary of community life, or of, uh, we get critical of the people we're living with, and we get annoyed and frustrated and all that by the, by, uh, the things that we're experiencing here. And so the, the uh, if we if we made a, a commitment in Aditana in this way, in, in the beautiful way that it was done tonight, it was really, it gives it a, a power to carry us through oftentimes uh, those kind of um, valleys of despair or, or those dreary times where uh, we, we don't, we've kind of lost the inspiration for the life. That's one of the values of this vehicle, is that it, it carries us along. It's not like if, you're, if you don't make any commitment, then you can come to Amarabhati when you feel like it and leave when you don't like it anymore. Then you can, I, I really love Amarabhati today, tomorrow, I, well, you know, I think I'll go back home. <laughs> and you can decide for yourself uh, all the time whether you, you know, whether you want to be here or not. That's your right as a free uh, member of the society. But making a commitment, isn't it? In that it means you can't do that anymore. You've got to, to you're relinquishing your, your right to just do what you want or what you feel like. Uh, to live in, in this community and to uh, take on a responsibility for how you live here and learn how to perform your duties. Uh, we don't ask about rights. Uh, we have moral rights. Isn't it? The rights we, we have are the moral rights. Nobody has the right to ask you to commit an immoral act. You know, you, you, you know no matter how senior, how... Uh, um, powerful or famous or impressive or holy the person might be, the <clears throat> they have no right to to uh, to make you to make you break the precepts. So these are the rights the moral rights that are that you've that you've uh, determined in the eight precepts. And duties, we talk about how to relate to each other. Like, I think this is uh, Ajahn Hirdama the abbot. And I'm no longer the abbot. So, so I have to think of my duties, how to support Ajahn Hirdama as the abbot. And it's something uh, that it's not because I'm senior to him that I can just do, you know, I can override or just do what I want. I have to 
I have, if he's taken on the responsibility uh, for being abbot of this monastery, then I need to support that. And so I, how can I support Ajahn Viridamo in the position I'm in? What are my duties uh, to support him in, in that position, to make his his life as the abbot something that is uh, is uh, that he can enjoy or that he can trust and that he isn't feeling uh, any any kind of frustration or 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 unnecessary pressures from me who who is senior to him so it's not just based on seniority or uh, you know uh, all the or titles or anything like that. It's it's based on on a much more practical standard. Of who's who we we've chose we've asked Ajahn to perform these duties as the abbot, and take the responsibility as the authority now to act in that role. And that means he has to make decisions and has to take the responsibility for the decisions he makes. And so, uh, and and we, we we that's what we've we need to uh, uh, recognize how to support that because he does he does care about what people think and he tries to consult and and all members including from me to the to the junior members of the sangha here. So I mean, it's not just him, you know, having his own way, but because uh, that that isn't how it works. But in the long run, it's up to him to make the decision, and and after he's consulted and and uh, has a as a general what he feels is an adequate picture or uh, an awareness of the situation, then that decision is something we. Whether we agree with it or not isn't isn't important. We we need to support that. That's our duty. In order that that uh, the life in this monastery isn't a, an endless argument, an endless hassling of I want this and I don't agree with that. I'm not going to do it because uh, I don't agree with it, and 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 the, an endless uh, kind of uh, arguments that can take place because well, we we think we know better than than the abbot does. With the nuns, we we we've asked Sister uh, Rajanupeka to take on the responsibility of training the the and and to, for being the the head nun for the Tiladaras um, and the Anagarikas. So, and she doesn't really want to do that, huh? <laughs> but uh, because the, the, we've uh, we've asked her to do this, then then also she has responsibility, and she has the authority, and we need to know how to support that, how to help her. How can I help Ajanupeka? Uh, and support her position 
so that she isn't just endlessly frustrated and and uh, feels, you know, a sense of of uh, you know confusion all the time by uh, people like myself or or people senior to her. Now this is this takes satipanya, doesn't it? It's, you have to contemplate. What, how, how, what is my relationship, say, just for me, my, how to relate to Ajahn Upeka in my position? How can I support her because she's, she's taken on this, she's been asked to do this, so uh, then, then I ask myself, how can I Support this because this is a this is something that isn't not everybody wants to do, isn't it? Nobody really wants to do it. You find trying to find monks or nuns who are willing to take any responsibility is really rare. They all want to be free, off in caves, meditating, sitting, uh, watching their breath, and going off to different places uh, uh, and not having to deal with making decisions. It's taking, when you make decisions, you, you know, you, you're going to get, you know, a lot of people aren't going to agree with you. They're going to say terrible things about you. Especially if you, if you make wrong decisions. Because oftentimes you don't always make the, the best decision. You make, make the wrong ones too. And then everybody's on your back. Well, you've got to put up with that. So it's, uh, you know, it's what they call sticking your neck out, putting yourself, <laughs> putting yourself uh, out, you know, for people to take uh, pot shots at you. And uh, where I think we'd all, I think uh, myself, Ajahn Rudamu, Ajahn Rupeka would love to be up in a cave in the Himalayas. I've been... I've been reading Ajahn Ridamo's book on Nicholas Rorick, this Russian artist, and this is most magnificent pictures of uh, Himalayan mountains, of Mount Kanchenjunga. In fact, one of the paintings in the book is uh, Mount Kanchenjunga, where I was last April, and the exact view that he's painted of Mount Kanchenjunga was, I remember being at that exact spot. Only this is done in uh, as a as a as a as a painting. When they have these figures in the in these mountains, they're kind of lonely figures of hermits or yogis, holy men, listening, open to the to the uh, morning song, the birds singing, and, and the beauty of the mountains, and the, the quietness, and the, the loneliness, the solitude of it. And, oh, I'd rather be doing that than sitting in an ask meeting, deciding who's going to go here and who's going to do what. <laughs> and especially when you got people who all can be very opinionated and bossy and, and argumentative. So then you get you know, you're in this conflict, people disagreeing, or spending hours talking about some trivial thing, 
and then not being able to make any decision. That's really frustrating. We're very good at that. <laughs> then for for the anagarikas and uh, anagarikas and all that, how to and the lay people living here. And the, the 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 long-term lay residents also have their responsibilities, and uh, the work uh, monk and work nun and guest masters and so forth. Remember, these are they've taken on these responsibilities, and then they they they've given the authority and uh, to to be to to make decisions. And these are not, and, 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 and like the rest, of the, this is usually not what one wants to be doing, to be like workmasters. Usually it's very hard to find any, any monk who will do it, who wants to do it, or willing to do it. So, they, you know, to try to get people to go to work, you know, work, yuck. <laughs> and... And so, uh, kind of, you know, ends up the workmaster has to go around hunting for the people and seeing all the time and, and getting totally kind of, you know, despairing because they, they're trying to do their job and then they feel total lack of cooperation or appreciation for what they're doing. Or in the office. Like Ajahn Vridham has really been quite uh, clear about not using the office as a place to hang out in, or not to go in there and just to to talk to uh, Nancy or or the people there, or Ajahnatapema or Jitindra, but to you know to really respect that as a place where you know not to um, disturb them. I mean, they've they've got always you know, there's quite a lot of of work to do in an office, and uh, and if people just drift in and out whenever they feel like it, they have they never get anything done, and they end up having to work late at night in order to do it. So this is where, as a in a community, we contemplate how we can support these people who've taken on these various duties. And, uh, you know, in, in the position we're in. Like if, if uh, uh, Venerable Anando is the work monk now. So. You know, I, I no longer can play the role of, of spiritual director when we're doing on a work project. He doesn't need a spiritual director at that time. <laughs> so it doesn't do any good for me to go around proclaiming myself as a spiritual director and thinking that I'm going to help him at all. I'm going to be a nuisance. So if I, 
you know, then, then since I'm not terribly gifted in a lot of, like uh, carpentry or that, then you have to give me something that only stupid people can do. So that is, uh, that's just the way it is, and it's how, you know, what sati and panya are all about, is really knowing when, when, when it's right, when, when the right time, the right place, what is appropriate. And this is panya, or wisdom, isn't it? To be aware of what is appropriate according to the time and the place, the people that one is with. So having a position doesn't mean, you know, like one's permanent spiritual director of all times of the day or night, or an abbot uh, all the time, you know. And so if Ajahn Virdhamma wants to go help uh, Venerable Nando, then he has to be willing to, to do what Venerable Nando wants. Because that's just the, the appropriate way of of responding to that particular situation. So it is. It gives us a chance to to uh, learn how to 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 be, say, to bend, to move, to make a community work, uh, so that we feel a sense of supporting and and kind of a sense of helping each other, caring about each other in a way that is beneficial rather than, say, competing with each other uh, or just uh, stubbornly refusing to do because we think we, we know better than what they, they want us to do and so forth. But to, to really uh, learn how to oftentimes do things you don't even want to do. I remember in Thailand, when Ajahn Chah would get us, make us do things we didn't even want to do. No, I never. I remember they, uh, they decided to build a, a dining hall when I first, about the second year I was at Wat Pong. And, uh, and, and so I thought, well, I don't want to build a dining hall. I want to meditate. I came to Thailand to learn meditation. Uh, I didn't come here to lay bricks and uh, render bricks and things like that and make cement and and do that all day. Uh, but then the, the pressures in a Thai monastery are very strong. <laughs> so at least the, the Wapapong, so I more or less had to kind of go there and, and work. And, uh, you know, and I began to see this complaining mind. Once I stopped complaining about it and, and uh, started just doing uh, what, what I was asked to do and trying to look around and see how best I could help, then I began to enjoy it. I found I quite enjoyed helping. Uh, I learned how to... I, I was never very skilled as a bricklayer, so don't, don't think that I could compete with those bricklayers out there. It was very basic, and uh, 
rendering, when they, they render bricks in those days, they'd, they'd render them with cement. So then, and I quite liked that. That was a lot of fun, rendering. And uh, when we got the dining hall done, it looked terrible. <laughs> I torn it down. <laughs> it was the ugliest dining hall I've ever seen. <laughs> and then, uh, then another time, they, Ajahn Chah decided they're going to build a brick wall around Wat uh, Papa. At that time, there were no walls. And uh, and Wat Papa had these wild jungle chickens. Uh, they were very quite beautiful, like pheasants almost. But but these jungle chickens, they're very delicious to eat. And so they when they leave the monastery, the villagers would catch them and and eat them. So Ajahn Chah decided he'd build this wall and. Uh, to keep the chickens in. So he got us out there. We, we had to make cement posts. We had forms. We had to pour cement in, make these posts, and and then build up the, these bricks between these posts. And this, and Wapapa was huge, you know, huge monastery. And so. That, and, and so that wall still stands, actually, but it's, it's that ugly wall. It's not the good one. It's the... I never did get into building anything aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> that ugly wall. Several walls. One, one the out, they expanded. What my poem kept expanding. So the outer wall was was done by, I think, much more skilled people. The inner one was the one I helped build. Then we had to build a road one time. This uh, wealthy woman in Uborn said she'd build a a salam uh, on top of this hill, if we build the road, there's no road up there. So, Anjan Chah, I remember, he, I, uh, he would go out every day looking and, and trying to find out where to build this road. And we had engineers come from Bangkok, uh, professional people, and they, they gave, you know, it's going to cost lots of money. You have to build all kinds of uh, uh, kind of reinforce cement bridges and things to actually get a road up to the top of this hill. Uh, and so, in those days, Wat Bapong was a very poor monastery, you know, didn't have well, a lot of wealth there, so he couldn't do that. So then, uh, Lung Pa Chao was very good at finding, uh, knowing the lay of the land. He had an incredible eye for knowing levels in how land is, you know, you can just look at it and just know. And so, for several months, he'd go out in this Tom Sang pet and he'd just look and, and he found uh, the, the way to build this road up to the, and we could, and it could all be done by us. <laughs> he volunteered us to do it. And, and so, there we were, and he, we camped out 
you had these our umbrellas, and we camped out, all, uh, and we, all day we worked, and and since uh, we couldn't dig in the soil, the months we'd end up um, breaking up big rocks with sledgehammers and things like that. I was, I was that was one thing I I could do. I could break rocks with sledgehammers, <laughs> and then. <laughs> Carrying these things around, and and uh, well, this lasted, you know, several months. And uh, and when I first, uh, I I actually volunteered, but I knew I had to. I knew I dared not volunteer. So, and so I went up there with much misgivings to this place, and then, but thoroughly enjoyed it because. Uh, uh, just learning how to to do things, how to support, how to do what you can with the way you are, what you have to offer uh, in a particular situation. The danger of hierarchical structures is getting stuck in your position, isn't it? I'm senior monk and I'm uh, you know, I am Penjal Kun Sameta John, or think something like this, and then you, you, you think of yourself as a, you know, kind of permanently high-ranking person, and that does nothing for the Dhamma to fix yourself into a into a static position. And that's what you try not to do to see how impermanent the self view is. You know, so. The idea of a of a samana, of a bhikkhu, of a siladhara is is to develop to to reflect that any ego, any inflated tendencies, any attachments to position, to tradition, to uh, duties, or any of this. Uh, we do it, you know. It's 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 not that we don't do this, but we. We we uh, can we need to see this in terms of dhamma rather than something that we uh, grasp and not look at. So in the in its own way, it is uh, a sense of you know it's it's not even though you have hierarchy and. It's not. It's not. A, it's not like a caste system, or it's not based on a fixing yourself in a permanent position uh, and and holding to it. But learning how to perform your duties within the position you're in. And then because they, I'm the most senior monk, doesn't mean I have rights uh, to do anything I feel like. And. Uh, uh, because I'm the most senior, and I have maybe what I say has a lot of importance, that I can use that just for my own ends, isn't it? And maybe maybe I have what I say has a lot of impact on the community because I'm the spiritual director. I'm a <laughs> senior member, so. You know what I say does have uh, importance to the community, so I have to be careful about what I say. 
I can't just, just say any old thing. Uh, I've got to learn how to to use speech in a way that is uh, that is supporting the community rather than just use, you just thinking that I can, you know, say what I want. So then, this is, means I, I need to take into account and uh, reflect on the time, the place, uh, the position, uh, the duties, the people that I'm with at this present time. For me, it, it's uh, with Ajahn Demo taking on the duties of uh, Abbot, and that actually, you know, I feel much lighter actually. Uh, so that uh, you know, to me, I'm not. Uh, I'm gladly give him those duties, <laughs> but. Uh, because I've uh, I've uh, done it, lo- you know, long enough. And don't want to do that anymore. Don't feel that 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 my continuing in that role is necessary. It needs to be given to somebody else. And and then also, as you get older, you know, find now much more. Uh, inclination towards the silence and <clears throat> the power of the meditation is very strong now. So that you know, the, trying to uh, uh, not find things to do, you know, no longer be caught up in having all kinds of things to do, talks to give, books, the letters to write committees to go to, causes to support, and all that. I used to be so involved in interfaith. I'd go to interfaith meetings. I I was president of the Buddhist Society for four years. I was little groups in Hampstead and in London and in Bedford and in Berkshire and so forth. Constantly on the go, and, and the um, then giving talks in schools and going out to to meals at people's homes or in Thai restaurants and so forth. It's just you know an endless kind of uh, of uh, activities uh, to where I had to really think what what is important, what is useful. What is uh, what is uh, necessary for this life? So this is to to uh, encourage you to to uh, recognize that even in in the most junior position, you know, not a matter of of uh, oh, I'm just a junior member. Uh, and, and think of yourself as, in, in terms of somehow uh, 
not being as good as or not having the influence of somebody senior, but that that but to contemplate how can I support in the position that I'm in as a junior member, as a senior member of this community. So I think we're, we're now thinking in terms of of what we can offer, how we can support, rather than in terms of what can I get out of this. Or to get caught in envying or feeling, uh, you know, I'm, I should have, I sh- my opinion should be respected along with everyone else's. Because egalitarian people tend to, you know, every, everybody's opinion is, is equal. So yet, everybody has to say something. And it, and it gets, that's why the meetings get so tedious, because uh, we, we all want to feel that, that we've been heard. If you can contemplate how, say, uh, like, because we do think of hierarchy oftentimes as uh, something, you know, uh, something not as good as as egalitarian structure. We was brought up to think hierarchy is, is almost evil, and so I never really. Uh, you know, when I went to live in Asia, I was in the Peace Corps, and and, uh, and I had uh, and I and I remember I had servants for the first time in this little place I lived in in Borneo. I had a woman that would come in and do the washing, and there was a boy that would do the cooking, and. Being American, I didn't have any clue how to treat servants. There's not any sense for how to, like, like when they the servants got terribly confused by me because I never knew what what to do with them. Because the Americans were all, you know, pals, buddies. You know, they were all equal. You know, it's a, the washing woman or the cook. You're all the same, and they just didn't have any clue of how to relate. And of course, they were conditioned in a different culture. They just got confused by the way I acted. Oh, very frustrating. Then I ended up going to Thailand, living in a monastery. So when I began to appreciate structure and how it works, and learning how to reflect. How to in the position I'm in? How do I? How can I? What? How do I meditate? How do I operate within this? Within this position as a junior monk, as a summoner, as a junior monk. And then I began to to recognize the value of a hierarchical structure or seniority or or positions that one might have or be asked to take on, not as not as things uh, that to to hold to or to uh, aim for, but just more or less to to reflect from, to to learn from. 
So in daily life in, in uh, Amravati, you see how, you know, we, we are reasonable. We want to do what is right and what is beneficial for everyone. There's not like a, you have to obey me because I'm the boss here and that kind of thing. It's not, uh, not, not, that's a, a misuse of authority, isn't it? And I'm, I'm the abbot and you've got to obey me. You're just the, little anagarika uh, so you have to do what I say that that is a misuse of authority and then just to pull rank and 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 exploit people because of a position so that's that's not that's a, an abuse of authority so uh, this is um you know, this is naturally we resent that. That's you know, that's something that uh, it's quite a natural feeling to resent. So we can at least re- admit we resent it. But if that's what's happening, then we need to know also, you know, so that this that this isn't, and that we're not trying to encourage such kind of behavior, uh, or or you know, feel it that we want that that kind of thing to be happening. So, you know, we do have rights and we, we can uh, discuss these things. But but what uh, what we don't need to do is endlessly argue and and try to get our way in the situation. Learn how to learn how to bend, how to be how to submit, how to surrender, how to how to encourage and support rather than endlessly quibble or complain or argue. Because that, that makes the life of somebody who has responsibilities very, very dreary. If you have just people endlessly, you know, arguing with you or disagreeing with you over little things. So, I think that's enough for this evening. This is the full moon, set till midnight.